Welcome to Katie on the Couch. I'm Katie Nicole, and here on my couch, we talk to people from all walks of life about confidence, body image, self-esteem, and provide tips and insights from their experience to give to you. So take a cuppa and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Katie on the Couch, where we talk about all things self-love, self-confidence, and, of course, believing in yourself. And, of course, sometimes recovery. And it's really important today we have somebody on here from all the way from Portland, Maine in the USA, which I'm pretty excited about. She is the founder of, of an Instagram page and website called Love My Middle. She's recovered from anorexia and has an amazing story. I followed her on Instagram for quite a while. She has 12,500 followers on Instagram. Uh, she's getting married in August, which is very exciting. She's got two little kittens and uh, she's <laughs> blogging. She travels. She loves the outdoors. She's a business owner. She's planning to do a podcast of her own. So maybe one day we will exchange a favor and I will be on her podcast. And just a bit of an interesting fact about Rachel, actually, she's scared of flour. So we're going to find out about having a bit of a conversation around what that. But please welcome to Katie's Couch today, Rachel Worthing. Hi, Rachel. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Happy to be here. What, what, what brings you here? You're in Portland, Maine, aren't you? I got that right, didn't I? Yeah, 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 from Portland. Yeah, wow. Tell me, what, what brings you here to the show today? Um, just to talk about, like, eating disorder recovery and confidence and everything like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I've been um, I've been following your your story on Instagram for a little while now. Ever since sort of I I got into the Instagram world, I found you and I found your page, and it's 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 love my middle. Could you want to share a bit about about your story, about your journey, about how you got to a point where you began to love yourself? Yeah. So um, when I was thirteen, I got diagnosed with anorexia, and I dealt with that for about like a year and a half and I recovered and I was doing well. And then eventually I ended up developing um, binge eating disorder. And I struggled with that throughout high school and um, just like really struggled with accepting myself and my body and like feeling confident. And um, that went on for like a couple years and um, then eventually I got into like healthy eating and to try to, you know, deal with like the binge eating, <laughs> I started focusing on my health and whatever. And, um, I was feeling a lot better. And then I ended up like slipping back into anorexia again. And I dealt with that for probably about like five years before I realized that, I was dealing with anorexia again yeah. and so then once I realized that I started recovery and then since then I've just been um like you know just really focusing on that and like building um confidence now I have like I started my blog and my Instagram to just like help other people um who might have an eating disorder or who are just um struggling with like body confidence and feeling good about themselves yeah absolutely thank you so much for sharing what I, what I was noticing about you know you sharing about your story that you have sort of gotten to that point where you are okay well I'm gonna make health a priority 
and making health a priority in some shape or form, I'm really curious to know, it triggered the anorexia again. Can you tell me how, how that how that happened? Because I've, I've had something similar happen where I've, I've made, I made uh, you know, health my focus, but, but that, that required me to, in the world that we live in, to count calories. And that required me to count carbs and count fat and, 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 and assess over exercise. So I got to the point where the, the behavior, I'm recovered bulimic, so I got to the point where it, it just controlled me anyway. It, it, it's like I found another way to obsess around the numbers. Yeah. How yeah, that was def that definitely happened to me too. You know, at first it was just like, oh, going gluten-free and like eating more of a whole foods diet. And that was great. And then I started getting some weird like um, – reactions I started like getting joint pain and stuff and I started to think oh like what's causing this and um I I started doing research and I looked up that oh nightshade vegetables might cause joint pain things like tomatoes so I cut those out and I noticed I felt better for a little while and then the pain came back so then I cut something else out and it was just like um it was just like a downward spiral from there. I just kept cutting things out thinking like I would be healthier. And, and then before I knew it, I wasn't eating too many foods at all. Yeah. And yeah, I was just like obsessed with being healthy, like all the time <laughs> to the point where like, I wouldn't like go out even like at night, I wasn't really socializing because I was like, oh, I need my sleep, you know, I need to take care of myself. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely took it to an extreme. Yeah, it's sort of, it's such an interesting thing. I think that, you know, we, there's all these exclusions, you, you know, when you've suffered from eating disorders, there's, you know, the control around, around our food or around our exercise can be some of the, you know, the main, main drivers, it's the control. So for me, yeah. it, was, it was very much like, yeah, when, when I got healthy, all of a sudden now I'm excluding a whole bunch of food from my diet. I'm not allowed to, or I'm not going to because of whatever. And, and you're right, the downward spiral just tends to happen because of the very nature of it. It's, it's almost a diet because then we have all these rules that we have to abide by. Yeah. Yeah, I've now started, like, I like to think of health, like, in a different way now, instead of, like, excluding, but um, think of, like, what you're including. So instead of saying, like, I'm not going to let my, or I'm not allowed to eat, like, cake or donuts or something, be like, I am going to eat a lot of vegetables. Like, so instead of, like, thinking about what you're taking out, just, like, focus, like, on what all the good things that you can't, like that are good for you that you just want to eat an abundance of. Yes. So true. And I also find that, you know, what you were saying before that we, if we only think about our health one dimensionally, when it's only just our physical health, we tend to run into trouble because like you not socializing, you're not looking after your emotional health by connecting with people and, and, and being in part of a community. If you're not looking after your emotional or mental health, then what's the point of having physical health? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was a big, big issue for me. That's something I'm still working on. And I've been like, um, going out like so much more lately. And like, it makes a huge difference, like, because you're just happier. And when you're out socializing and spending time with like people you love, you're not thinking about 
food and things like that. You're just being present and living in the moment. And that can be really healing and healthy for your body just as much as like eating foods high in vitamins. I 100% agree. I think that, I think that if, if you're going to eat so restrictively, um, well, not restrictively, not the right word. If you're going to eat a certain way, but you're really stressed about it, then that's going to do you way worse than eating not so well, but being relaxed about it. Yeah, I agree. You know, our, 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 the, the mental component of our physical health is, is significant. Yeah, definitely. The thing you started, you know, was, was when you were first diagnosed with anorexia. You've obviously, you know, you, you recovered, you were okay, then binge eating, and then back to kind of an, anorexia. What was sort of, how's the recovery process been? What have you done in order to help yourself to, to recover? Um, well, what I started doing was like, I don't do this so much anymore because I, <laughs> I don't need to as much anymore. But what I did was like, I went through like my Instagram and I stopped following like anyone that I was like comparing myself to. So, um, that helped a lot. I started listening to like podcasts about eating disorder recovery, like constantly, like all day long non-stop I just like hardwired it into my brain and like just hearing those same messages repeated in my like in my ear over and over all day like eventually it starts to like click and then I obviously I went I started therapy which helped a lot and um I also like told everyone that was a big thing because I hadn't told anyone about it um, about the eating disorder and so I like came out of the closet <laughs> with my eating disorder and I told everyone and that was extremely helpful because once people know you can't hide it anymore and it kind of like pushes you into recovery because you have people holding you accountable yeah and 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 you realize how many people I suppose love you and care about you and how and how there's there's far less judgment than what perhaps you anticipated there to be yeah yeah so 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 therapy definitely podcasting so i take it there's a whole bunch of personal development there as well where you've gone you know what i'm just going to immerse myself in different thoughts yeah yeah i did a lot of like reading of self-help books i started meditating um doing like visualizations every morning like of me in the future being like happy and healthy yeah, like I completely had to change my mindset, like a hundred percent. Yeah, because it, it's sort of, and and please tell me because I'm I'm not experienced with anorexia, but certainly you know eating disorders in general, it, it's this <clears throat> feeling of 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 no like no self worth, like I don't I don't love myself enough in order to yeah to be, to be I'm not worthy, so therefore there's this complication in terms of the way that we. Food's just the, the way that we happen to have dealt with the lack of worth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I felt like I was never, like, good enough, always. <laughs> and then I would, like, equate that to my weight, though, and, like, oh, okay, well, the less I weigh, like, the better I feel about myself. Yeah. And, and then did you, did you get to a point where, you know, and obviously this is part of the disease, you, you, you keep going, well, I, at, at, at however many kilos or pounds, I'm going to feel good about myself, but then you get to there and you don't, how did, how did you, then do you just keep going? That's the downward spiral, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that happened 
especially with the first round of anorexia when I was 13, that like, I feel like if I hadn't gotten the help when I did at that point, I would have kept going and going and going until there was like nothing left of me because I did not feel satisfied at any point. However, the second time around when I had anorexia, um, more, more recent time, that was a little bit different where I didn't feel like I actually got to a point where I like, was like, okay, I'm thin enough. Like it was too thin. It was underweight and everything. But like, I, I saw like, I, I wasn't, I guess my brain wasn't as in bad of a spot maybe as it was the first time I had anorexia. Cause I could see like, okay, like this is a little too much. Like I'm thin. I don't need to get any smaller. Yeah. But I was also in denial that I even, I didn't even realize I had the eating disorder the second time around either. So that might've been part of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there was less, less, there was kind of almost less awareness of the disease, but more awareness of yourself. So you were yeah. to, to just yeah. get clear off. Yeah, actually. Yeah. That's really good way to word it, but yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And then, and then somewhere in between that, there was also the binge eating stuff. Um, yeah. Was that kind of like a bounce back? Like how, how, how did that come about? Do you think? Yeah. You know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like what triggered that? I don't know. Like I, I recovered from anorexia and it was about like, I would say about like a year, maybe not even before I like started having binging problems. And um, I think it was like a combination of things. Like I had moved out of state. So I was living in a new state and like I made, had to make all new friends and everything. And, you know, I was young and it wasn't like I didn't have friends. So like I, and I was pretty happy, like I was pretty happy with the move, like, but I think maybe part of that triggered it, just like the change. And then I also started on hormonal birth control pill. And I really honestly feel like that had a lot to do with it. Um, because it just like can totally mess your body up. And I think that had a lot to do with it as well because um, I struggled with the binge eating off and on like for years. And even after I got over it, like sometimes I would still slip back into it for a little bit. But once I fully went off of birth control, it stopped completely. So yeah. Yeah. So I think that definitely had something to do with it. Yeah, and, and also what I'm noticing is is that it's it's how do we deal with with changing our life? You know, when when things are happening, when there's stress outwardly around us, it's our ability to be able to handle that stress. Obviously, the birth control had had, had a whole bunch to do with it. Yeah, but also the changes that happen in our life. You know, how we deal with that stress can sometimes, you know, and I and I certainly have moments, and I'm sure you do too, Rachel, where where she gets stressful, life is full on and it's so easy to want to slip back into a really unresourceful way of dealing with it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like for sure. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want to like eat the house. Yeah, eat the house, yeah. I think that's also encouraging in in our, certainly in our Western culture, with with Hollywood movies and stuff, you know, you see like what what happens in every chick flick when a um when a girl gets dumped by her boyfriend yeah like yeah, she, like literally their girlfriends come around with a with a block of chocolate and a tub yeah. of ice cream like 
we're literally taught that that's a really effective way to do with yeah. our Yep. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's so true. And, but all it does is just make you feel so much worse. Yeah. And I, I think that there's a, there's a time and a place. So I, I've had to come to, to, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this because I've had to come to a, to a place where it's okay. As you said before, like it's okay to eat a donut. Like it's it, like, there's no bad food. It's just, how does it make me feel? So on a regular basis, vegetables make me feel great that's that's good for me that's how how i nourish myself but sometimes my soul needs nourishing and sometimes my soul needs a donut yeah how do you kind of go through that around going well you know what sometimes there's certain foods that aren't everyday foods but foods that that sometimes your soul needs or sometimes your social part of you needs yeah I, i totally agree with that like I, I mostly try to eat like foods that make me feel my best, yeah. but yeah, like sometimes when you want something, like you just want something and you need it. And sometimes if you don't like just give yourself a little bit of something like once in a while, like you're going to rebel. That's when you're going to rebel and feel restricted yeah. and that's when you're going to overdo it you'll finally give in, eat it, and then you'll eat. Instead of eating one or two cookies, you'll eat a dozen because you didn't just let yourself have the one when you really felt like you needed it. 100%. I think it's the denying of, it's the, denying of the thing that, that makes us then get a little bit compulsive around it. It's like, well, have, have the damn cookie. Like, yeah, and then, yeah, and then don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. And, and you know what? There, there are times certainly in, in my recovery where I was like, I needed to eat the whole bag. And 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 deal with it like i needed i needed to uh you know have have a have a binge and 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 process that process what i'd done rather mm-hmm. than deny it by purging it up or by just beating myself up i needed to yeah. um i needed to to process it and go okay well that's what i did and i need to take the responsibility for my actions and go now i feel like shit deal with it. <laughs> yeah yeah that's so true like when i was recovering um, when I was like in the depths of my recovering from anorexia, yeah, I would binge and stuff sometimes just because like your body, like as you start eating like normal amounts of food again, it, you have, to, it has to like learn to retrust you. And so like, sometimes you have to go and just have like a binge when you're recovering because your body needs to know like it can get all it wants. Just like let it do its thing for a while and if you're binging for a while, it's not a big deal because your body's trying to put weight back on maybe that it needs. And it's also just trying to know that like you're not going to go starving it again. But like once you just keep eating, um, eventually the binging will stop because your body will be like, okay, like I trust you now. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you come up with that because I, I definitely feel that for, for, for many, many years, I had a complete disconnect between my body and myself. So I didn't trust it and it didn't trust me. Yeah. And you've obviously talked about that, that your body didn't trust you, but I, I also take it that you didn't trust it. Oh yeah. yeah. I was scared to death. I thought like anything I put in it would cause me to gain like a million pounds. And yeah, I totally didn't trust it. And that's probably why it started rebelling on me and my health started getting so bad to where it's at now is because I, I didn't trust it for so long. Yeah. How do you think that you've built that trust? Obviously, you know, starting to eat again and stuff, but 
I also think that there's an emotional connection there of trust to the body. How, how, how have you done it? Well, how are you still doing it probably? Yeah. Um, <laughs> patience um, and like a lot of time and um, just like taking things slow. Like you just have to ease into it. So like for me, like I just slowly eased into like trusting again, like, okay, instead of just going and eating completely like a normal person again, right away, I eased into it. I just started eating like, okay, I'll eat a little bit more for dinner than normal. And then like, eventually I was able to see like, okay, like nothing bad's happening here. I'm not dying. I'm not like gaining 500 pounds overnight. Like there's nothing to be worried about. And then like, um, also like meditation really helped because you have to go like inward to trust yourself. You, you need to like find, like you need to get reconnected with yourself again. And people don't take the time to do that. You need like quiet time and like silence. If you're constantly on the go, go, go all the time and like never stopping and just like be, being in the present and like just having a moment of quiet time like you're never going to be able to reflect and make these connections with yourself it, yeah it's so true i think that um a part of the reason you know if, if people suffer from eating disorders or not uh if, if you have low self-worth then part of it is is that you don't spend enough time with yourself you don't there, there's, a, there's a complete disconnect not only from the body but from from the self you don't know who you are and and so you can't trust yourself in general, let alone let alone yeah. just your body, because there's no there's no time or space to actually sit down and and face yourself. Because yeah, it's really scary. Facing yourself and facing your demons is really scary. How do you think that you've gone over the years? Because you've had to you've had to go inward and face the demons inside of yourself. How how's how's that journey been for you? How's that? It's been hard. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> very very hard like yeah I've had many a days where I'm like on the ground like crying and yelling at the sky <laughs> yep yeah because yeah it's incredibly difficult but it that's just part of it is like it's going to be painful like it will be painful that is just part of it mm. how, how did you know I suppose, and, and maybe you didn't at the time, but how, how do you know now that all that pain was worth it? Because look, I, I, I coach people and, and often I talk about the fact that we have to face our pain and we don't want to. We don't, we don't want to be lying on the ground, bawling our eyes out, screaming at the sky. That's very <laughs> uncomfortable. People don't want to do that. Um, yeah. But for those people, but, but to me, pain is our greatest teacher. We, we learn everything that we can possibly possibly need to know through our pain that's where the gold is mm -hmm. so so how do you know now or how did you know back then that it might be worth it to get through to the other side well like they they say you know pain makes you stronger and i didn't know for sure like i would come out on the other side it was basically like just trusting the universe that it would work and i looked back on my life and said i've gone through all of these things in the past already that were painful and I'm better for them. So like I can do this too. Like if I could do it then, why can't I do it now? 
yeah, good point. I suppose it's about having those reference points of where you've already done it. Um, yeah. And I often say to my clients, it's like, it's a funny question, but I say, have you survived everything in your life up until now? And of course they say yes, because I'm talking to them. They, they're here. Uh, and I say, so, you know, it's likely that you're going to survive what's coming up now, what you're experiencing. Exactly. You will survive it. Yep. It's a learning. It's, it's a, what I tell myself, like, is like, I'm in training for my future. Like right now I'm in training and like all of this pain and stuff, it, I'm learning from it and I'm going to be using that later in life to like, to help others and, um, stuff like that. So it's just like, you got to think of it in a positive way. Like, yeah, it's painful, but like, it's actually helping you. My, one of my like favorite quotes is, um, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. And yeah. Yeah. That's something I say to myself in my head all the time. Um, like when I'm struggling and that just, it makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. Because I would love to know, I'd love to know when you have those, those moments of self doubt, those moments of, wanting to relapse or those moments of, of whatever, those moment, moments of pain where perhaps the, the brain, the ego, the thoughts get carried away. I know that that's probably one of the biggest things that, that, that people struggle with is their, the voices inside of our heads. That's obviously one of the things that you do to be able to help you bounce back, use, use quotes and stuff. What else do you do to sort of, what do you do when shit gets tough and, and you're mentally not as strong as what perhaps you'd like to be? Um, I, well, I have a couple things. I meditate. I try, I meditate every day and that just helps me to be able to control my thoughts. Yeah. So I'm able to like catch myself when I'm thinking a thought like, Oh, I feel fat today or something stupid like that. Yeah. Um, or if I'm like second guessing something I ate, like, Oh, should I have ate that? I just catch my, I'm able to catch myself. Yeah. Um, and and then change my thought to something else. And meditation has helped that. Like I wasn't able to do that before I started meditating. Wow. So that's something that's really helpful. And then, yeah, I do like affirmations. Um, I, I'll say things to myself, like, like I said before, like um, this is happening to you. I mean, this is happening for you, not to you. Or um, like, like I am safe in the universe. Like everyone in my universe loves me and cares about me. Things like that. Um, just to like comfort myself and then, um, visualization of like happy past memories or, um, like what you want your future to be. All of those things have helped me a lot when I'm like having a moment or journaling also writing, writing has helped a lot. Yeah, sort of what I'm, what I'm hearing is that all of, all of your techniques have to do with being able to deal with the mess that's up here. Yeah, yeah, I have to basically express it. I need to express it. I have to acknowledge the feeling and express it in some way, yeah. whether it's like talking to someone or writing it or praying. I have to express it somehow. Yeah. And then I try to talk myself down from it and like, um, you know, talk some sense into myself. Yes. De definitely because it yeah what i'm very much hearing is is step one is having the awareness of what's going on up here you're you're detaching yourself and then step two is then well what what needs to happen right now do you need to go internal and meditate to be able to to work through that or do you need to go external and talk about it or to journal or to do whatever happens to do i, 
I, I suppose the, the meditation is the thing that helps you catch it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and then sometimes even distraction can be a really good tool. Um, I a lot of times it's a lot of times I say like no to distraction because you want to be aware of your emotions. But sometimes like with with this stuff, distraction can be really helpful because you can be aware of it and then you can say, okay, like let's focus on something else now. Like yeah, and just like watch a funny movie or or do like listen to some music do or cook a meal or do something that will distract you that can be really helpful as well definitely and i I think that um you know distraction distraction i i wouldn't even call it distraction i I would say that's a conscious choice to choose choose different thoughts so yeah i'm feeling a certain way cool i'm aware of that feeling if i go watch a funny movie if i cook a meal if i go for a walk then i'm consciously interrupting the pattern of where my yes Yes. You know, yes. It's, it's like a, the old record is playing, and you just go. You know what? I'm going to scratch that because I don't want to. I don't want to listen to that record anymore. It's old. It doesn't serve me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because like I think some people are worried about like distracting things because like oh well you don't want to ignore your feelings but like you can distract yourself without ignoring your feelings like you can totally be aware of them and acknowledge them and then say, okay, I'm moving on from this. Like this isn't serving me. And that's when it becomes empowerment because you're conscious of the feelings. You've looked at the feelings. You decided that you want to do something different. So you've actually changed the. Yeah. Yeah. Very empowering. Yeah. Do you have, and maybe it's a sound bite, but in terms of meditation, I know that a lot of people struggle with it. They don't necessarily know how to do it or they they think that sitting down and the thoughts going crazy it is not normal can you share a bit of experience yeah i know right share a bit of your experience about about meditation and and maybe what techniques you use or or and also rather how do, how do you keep the thoughts from going crazy yeah well <laughs> When you're meditating, like the first time I tried meditating, I could seriously only do it for about two minutes. Like I sat down and I was freaking out, like crawling out of my skin. I was like, I cannot do this. I just went nuts. Um, I slowly built it up just like an extra 30 seconds. Like every couple days, I would just add on another 30 seconds. I did it really slowly, but your mind is going to go wild. And like a lot of people think that meditation means like clearing your mind of all thoughts, but that's really not possible um, because your mind is always going. So it's like you try to just focus on something. So like you can focus on your breath or, and like count your breaths going in and out. Or you can like, I like to listen to meditations that have um, binaural beats and it's like kind of, um, it's like sound added and you use it with earbuds and like these, the binaural beats actually like affect your brain waves and help to calm you more. And I like those because I, the sounds are very soothing. Like a lot of them are like nature naturey sounds like the wind blowing through the trees so I like those and when I'm meditating I like to focus on the sounds and I'll just picture myself like sitting in a field somewhere with the wind blowing through the trees and like I'll just focus on that and you're gonna find that your mind wanders constantly like every like every couple seconds I find 
I'm thinking about something else. And then you just redirect your thought and go, nope. And you bring yourself back to like what you're focusing on. And that's what trains you so that in like in the day to day life, when you are having like a negative thought, you can catch it and then change it because that's what you're doing in meditation. You're basically just practicing. It's so true. And, and I think that one of the, one of the big myths around meditation is that, that yeah, you're, that you sit there and you're not meant to have any thoughts. Uh, and, and certainly I would think that the masters of meditation, uh, you know, who meditate 15 hours a day for 12 years or longer, they probably do get to a point where they, they, they can sit down and, and have a yeah. Um but, but for the regular people, it is. It, it's the practice of bringing your thoughts back. Constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and sometimes I can get myself into this like Zen state. It doesn't happen super often, but when it does, you will know it because yeah. like you feel like this weird, calm, like feeling come over you. Like I can't even explain it, but it feels so good. And then before you know it, before you know it, you think, oh my God, I'm in the Zen state. Yeah. And then it goes away. Gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The second you, I know I get so excited. I'm like, oh my God, I feel it. Like I'm in it. And then, and then I'm like, oh shoot. No, now it's gone. Cause I just thought that. You just thought it. That's exactly right. <laughs> you're consciously aware of the fact that you're there. It's gone. You're like, yep. That is so funny. So for, so for those, for those people listening and watching at home, try meditation and and like what Rachel said like like do it for two minutes to start off with what where are you at now you've obviously built it up 30 seconds maybe every day or yeah um I I do about 20 minutes twice a day well but right not. that's fantastic yeah and right now I, I'm doing more like an hour a day because of like some extra stuff I'm doing um for my health treatment so it's been now it's more like an hour a day because I'm adding in like extra just like visualization time which is still like for me it like works my mind just like meditation it's just as like calming and yeah yeah so, and, yeah just where you need to go yeah but even like even like five or ten minutes a day is like so helpful yeah yeah and I, I just find sometimes when I'm particularly stressed and I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do right now. You know, I, I'm, I'm stressed. Sometimes I'm like, I just need to go sit. I just need to go sit down and, and meditate. And my mind might be going absolutely insane. And it may not be a, a good meditation, but it, it, it's just like, it's better than me trying to clean the house again. To, to, yeah. To sports, you know, like it just, yeah. It'll stay calm. Yeah. And um, recently I heard something that I thought was such a good idea for beginners um, meditating. Like if you don't feel comfortable, like officially meditating, what you can do is just like sit down for like 10 to 20 minutes and sit there and do nothing. Yeah. Don't allow yourself to do anything. Don't turn music on, have no noise. Just sit on like your couch or on your bed in silence and just let your mind think about whatever it's going to think for 20 minutes. Yeah. And like that is like a good starter. Definitely, definitely. Very confronting because, yeah. and, and particularly, you know, we're used to having a phone in our hand. Yeah. Day, so often it's like, oh God, I need to, I need to be stimulated in some way. So it's, it's very, yeah. Good. Do you have any, you were saying that you're listening to your, your beats and stuff. Do you have any, um, 
any apps that you use or any, like, is there anybody that you follow in terms of meditation channels or something that people Yeah. Um, so, well, there are two apps that I used starting out. Um, one of them is called Headspace. And then there's another app called Calm. And both of those are really great, like meditation apps, especially like when you're starting out. And then I discovered a podcast on iTunes. It's called The Meditation Podcast. And they are amazing. Um, And so I just go download those like every week and put them on my iPod. And those are the ones with the... um, the binaural beat sounds and they have different meditations for like all different kinds of things too. So like they, they have like a money meditation. So like if you're feeling like worried about money um, and, or like one to help you fall asleep and they have all kinds of them. So, and then they have different length ones too. So you can do like five minutes or you can do like 30. Yeah. Cool. Lots of variety. Yeah. So what do you, what do you believe about yourself now? Obviously you've gone through a lot of of moments of, of not believing in yourself and not having the self-worth and confidence. Where, where's your belief set at now? Um, that I am way stronger than I ever thought I was. Awesome. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I'm, I'm like, I believe I'm a good person now and like that I'm making a difference and like contributing and before I never felt those things about myself. I really didn't have any self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting you say about contribution because I, you know, when I spent all my life worrying about how much I weighed or what I looked like, I had no time or energy to be able to, to give back to anybody in any capacity. Like, mm-hmm. even though I put everyone else's needs first, uh, there was no actual meaning in my life because I was, you know, for, for 15 years on my goal list every single year was to lose weight, you know? Yeah. And that was the biggest goal that I was striving for in my life. Like, yeah. was to be skinnier. That was my dream. And yeah. You know, when I was able to let go of that as as a goal, so to speak, um, now I can have big dreams that are actually useful. Yeah, yeah, you can focus on other things. Yeah, like all of a sudden you now can can focus on a, a, a bigger picture in your life, opposed to just well, this body of mine getting smaller. Yep. Yeah, like my life has opened up in so many ways since I just like stopped caring about that. It's amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, so your life has opened up in, in, in many ways. What do you reckon? So for people, you know, listening that perhaps need more confidence, they're not believing in themselves enough. What kind of advice might you give them to be able you know, a, a hot tip to be able to help them to become more of who they are? Um, <laughs> You just fake it till you make it, really. Um, that's what I did. <laughs> I did not feel confident at all at first. I But I started, like, I just kind of forced myself to feel confident. Like, I would just go out there and put myself in situations where I was uncomfortable. Like, nice. you know, going out and doing something with a large group of people. Or, for example, like, wearing a crop top out in public. Like... Yep. That was terrifying for me. 
and like terrifying um or like putting a bikini on out in public that was also terrifying and then like eventually you like when you challenge your fears like that like you realize like what was I so worried about and like it really does build your confidence because you realize like wow what what was I so concerned about like like there's nothing wrong with me yes yeah yeah and I, I, I love that I I often I don't, I don't necessarily like the term fake it till you make it and I don't actually think that that's what you did um I and 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 forgive me I if fake it till you make it to me is like you're pretending to be somebody else. Yeah. Um, often this feeling of, well, the real me isn't good enough. But I don't think you did that. From from what you just explained to me, what you did was you faced your fears. So, yeah. So you put yourself into situations where you were uncomfortable, the, the things that were holding you back, you decided that you are going to do it anyway. Um, yeah. Even if you felt uncomfortable. So you weren't pretending to be comfortable, so to speak. You just did it mm-hmm. despite being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And I did not feel confident. I guess what I was faking like the confidence because I I was pretending I felt confident in my crop top, but I wasn't. But eventually the confidence came like I just pretended I felt confident a couple of times. And then before I knew it, I was confident. Yeah, You almost need to to act in the way that you want to feel. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, like like uh, often is like, well, what would somebody who is courageous do? What would somebody who believed in themselves do? What would somebody who had confidence do right now? Well, they'd put on the crop top and go out and not give a shit about the crop top. They would just yep. yeah, yeah, yep, I, exactly. I can't I can't finish our podcast and our conversation here today without knowing about about your your fear of flower. You, you put it in there, so so I gotta know. I gotta know. Tell me about this fear of flower. About the oh my fear. Of- Flower. Flower, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like just like I don't know what it is. Um I've had it since I was a child. Wow. I yeah, I like used to bake with my grandmother and I couldn't touch the flower. I still can't touch the flower. Um, like the sound of it on a cutting board being rubbed on a cutting board like she would you know dust the cutting board with flour before she'd roll out the dough and like the sound of that oh my god it makes my skin crawl I can't touch it I can't even be like on a beach with really fine sand like that powder sand I can't have that touch my feet because it's just like the sensation you know like with like some people it's like nails on a chalkboard for me it's like flower i can't touch it my 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 weird neuroticism like that is is wet toilet paper the wet tissue or wet toilet oh i just it it just grosses me out it just i i can't yeah so if if i'm at a restaurant and this and the napkin gets wet because somebody's (laughs) over i'm like yeah Yeah, it just like gives you the heebie-jeebies. It just just, yeah, just gives me the heebie-jeebies. So I I I feel ya. Um, I would love to know if if you could go back in time and give your younger self any piece of advice. What advice would it be, and when would you give it? Uh, I would give it to myself like at a very young age. I've always been a like a worrier my whole life, and I would just tell myself to stop worrying, like. Because everything always works out. It always has. 
And every time something happens, I'll panic and think, oh my God, like the world is ending or whatever. And it, everything always works out no matter how like bad it looks right now. Like it's always going to work out and like everything is always okay. Perfect. Oh my God. And, and you'd give that quite young. Yes. Yeah. I would need to hear that at like probably like eight years old. <laughs> yep. In those, four, in those formative years. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I do. I want to just know one more thing. Who do you follow? So in terms of like books that you read, you mentioned that you, you kind of got into personal development and you were reading books and stuff. Who, who inspires you? Who do you follow that perhaps people don't necessarily know of that you would want to give a shout out to them? in the books that you read and stuff? Ooh, uh, for like books or? Well, books, yeah. Like what, what books do you read or have read that, that have really helped helped you in your recovery, in, in changing your life? Uh, and also who do you follow now on maybe on social or around the world? Okay. Yeah, so it's like some books, like You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hayes. Like that one is very good. Um, I'm trying to think like, um, the Universe Has Your Back by Gabby Bernstein. That one. I haven't read it yet. Very helpful. Um, and then, what is his name? Mike Dooley. Yeah. I think his name is Mike Dooley. He's an author. He has tons of amazing books that are extremely helpful. Ooh. And then, like, for um, podcasts, like, when I was in recovery, um, I would listen to, like, the mind body musings podcast that one it's not so much about um it's not it's really not what it used to be um it's not so much about recovery or anything like that anymore but if you go back into the old episodes um those are very helpful and then um for like just like now like what i listen to for podcasts um there's like the Good Life Project. That one is really great and inspiring. Or anything with like anything um, done by Sean Croxton. He's super, super inspiring. Fantastic. Well, what, I'll, I'll make sure all those go into the show notes so that for those of you listening or watching at home, you can you can click on the links and go go look at those books and those those podcasts and and whatever. Thank yeah. you so much, Rachel. I, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Yeah, I had fun. Your afternoon, but um, yeah, like really, really thank you. I, before we shoot off, I do want you to tell me a bit more about Love Love My Middle. What do you do? You know, do you want to share, like, where can we get in touch with you and, and, and how, how can you help people? Yeah, um, so, okay, so I have my Instagram. It started out with my Instagram at Love My Middle, and um, eventually I turned it into a blog. It's still, um, <laughs> which I'm posting on now, like, weekly. It's still, like, a little bit messy. I'm still working on, like, making it pretty, but it's still got good, like, posts up. So you can follow me there at lovemymiddle.com. And eventually I hope to do a podcast. That's, like, my dream for the future. Fantastic. So lovemymiddle.com, we can check out your blogs, uh, at lovemymiddle on Instagram. Absolutely fantastic content on, on Instagram. I certainly follow you myself, Rachel. So thank you, thank you. So, so very much. Go check out Rachel's stuff. She's an absolute inspiration, particularly through, through you know, um, anorexia and, and, and eating disorder recovery. Thank you so much, Rachel, for being on Katie's Couch today. I so very much look forward to, to seeing your journey and we'll connect with you very soon. 
Okay, thanks so much. Thank you so much for watching. I hope that you've enjoyed today's podcast and YouTube show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Thank you for your attention and thank you for your eyes and ears. Hope that you got a lot out of it today. If you do know anybody or if you yourself have an amazing story of confidence and self-worth, I'd love to hear from you. Just email loveyourself at moreconfidence.com.au. I will get that email immediately. I'll be in touch and we can see if we can get you onto Katie's Couch. Talk to you then. Katie, Katie on the couch.